0: Finding Your Own Business, Helping Businesses Overcome Problems and Improve Performance with Graham Knight and Richard Forkan. So podcast number four today, Graham, we're doing um, profitability and relevance of propositions. So Mm -hmm. by that we mean when we look at a business, what is it doing to earn its money? What sort of things is it doing that might be more profitable than others? Where is the main source of revenue coming? Where are they maybe spending time on things that don't make the money or, or even lose money? And that, that comes from an analysis of how a business is set up. And a surprising number of business owners who don't really have a grasp of what's making them the money and what's not.
1: Yep. Sometimes it's, it's not quite so easy to find. But I suppose the, the way we tend to go about this is to break the business down into all of its different discrete products and services, I mean, even though they're a service business, there may be some aspects of things that they can commoditize. like a graphic design company might be able to do a a website audit, for example, which they can document and sell as a service or something. So essentially then it becomes a turnkey product, a commoditized product. So fixed price, you know what you're getting, you know what you're paying for, and that's what you get. So if you break things down into finite things, what sometimes you can earn money on when you're asleep because people can buy it off the website for example and then there are services which are based more around value and time so those will be charged separately but that means normally there's an intervention of some kind before you can collect that revenue and of course the best of all are recurring revenues because those things bring in money month after month year after year so if you have a i don't know a budget as we said earlier of 1200k 100k a month and you've got 40 50k on recurring revenues then there's only another 40 50k to go and find so
0: i think that's the holy grail of businesses yeah. the one that comes to mind is insurance businesses where and software and software and yeah, yeah. You, you sell you know x number of, of policies or licenses this month you've got them coming in again next month and the month after so you're ramping up Every month as you go, I mean, the worst type of soul destroying business is when you sold what you're going to sell this month, and you start from zero again next month. And, um, yeah, which, which is, you know, which is which is obviously done to great success in a number of markets. But you know, come come a bad month like a December, perhaps for certain businesses, and you're thinking, well, where am I going to find my revenue?
1: In the software sector, obviously, that's what's driven the change to SaaS from uh, absolutely yeah on premise software, and it's difficult for the vendors because they have to avoid this early money up front, um, and yeah. now they have to wait many years, but they, they get may, way more money over the years of a subscription than they would, would do on a one-off licence sale. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you, you can see lots of businesses now trying to adopt recurring revenue models, even when it doesn't really sit well.
1: And add value, because if you sell the business, then obviously that revenue is less dependent on the owner. Yep. So that tends to be used as part of the valuation of a business. The more recurring revenue you have, the more likely you're gonna drive a higher price. Yeah.
0: The other thing that, that um comes from analysing in detail what a business is doing is working out how relevant it is to the market that they're in. So today for instance we're in a hugely volatile economy with things changing almost daily and it's important for a business to look at what they're doing and how they're doing it and is the market buying what they're selling and i know that sounds sort of a bit of a daft question but the number of businesses out there that have been doing the same thing over and over and they have good months and bad months at regular intervals you really need to sit down and look at what you're doing and think actually is that relevant anymore Does it need to change? Does it need to be adjusted? Do I need to forget about it altogether and do something completely different in the same market? But again, it's a a surprising number of businesses that don't sit and sort of stand back and look at that on a regular basis and and think about what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, one one of the things most clients should do is to break the sales down into these different discrete revenues and products. Because if, if you're posting to a sales typically 4,000 nominal on a ledger, whereas some companies just bunch everything into that 4,000. You can't see within that how much of that was consultancy, how much of that was software, how much of that was another service. So if you have discrete posting lines, 4,000, 4,001, 4,003, 4,003, 4, and so on, then you can look at what percentage of your total revenue is coming from each of those lines, and you can immediately see which of those lines are growing and which of those lines are in decline. That might point to the relevance. It might point to your marketing, and that you're not engaging with the people that need the service, or maybe something else has changed, which has caused that decline. So it doesn't mean necessarily that you need to look at stopping these services, but at least you're alerted because you've got this month-by-month month application of um, of all the financials. You can see immediately which of these are on the up and which of them are on the, on the decline, and therefore. What you might need to do.
0: You touched there on marketing, which I will we'll cover in a separate podcast. But that that that's an interesting point. where You see businesses that are spending money on marketing activity in various different guises, and it's very difficult in 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 you know, a normal circumstance to measure the uh, performance related to marketing activity. But if you break down what you're doing into component parts and then you've got market activity going on, you can see how those component parts change dependent on what you're doing with marketing. And you yeah. could start to work out, actually, if I spend my money over here, my most profitable... Operational or offering will will increase, decrease, whatever, and you can start to tune what you're doing with your marketing spend, and actually start sending sales messaging and sales people or whatever, however you're going to market into the right areas to grow the most profitable part of your business. But lots of businesses just have a blanket approach to that, as you just pointed out with with accounting. You know, you just chuck it all in there, and we made X number of sales, and not really know what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, obviously, if you were to break all this down, you would just set at the beginning of the year what your revenue expectations are for each of these lines, say there's like 10 lines. If you make it too broad, you, you get the other extreme where you can't see anything because everything is spread so thinly that it doesn't really tell you much. So you do have to group some things collectively into a service line or a product line. But then you can be clear about who that target audience is, and then you can start talking about what you're going to do to reach those target audiences and what method of marketing, whether it's social media, whether it's through eShots, whether it's through SEO, pay-per-click. I mean, all these things you can look at, and it may not be the same for each of these products and services from your clientele. So you might have to a- adopt different approaches depending on what it is you're trying to sell, at what price to, to which demographic or which geography. But it, it causes you to think of those things, whereas if all your sales are in one bucket, then that tends to have a sort of one-size-fits-all marketing approach. And that might not be as effective as, as something that's a bit more focused and subtly created depending on the particular audience you're trying to reach. Otherwise, your messaging is is very sort of one-size-fits-all, and therefore some of what your, you're trying to sell might go over the heads of the people that you're trying to reach because you, you're talking in more vague terms rather than very specific terms about how your proposition is going to help them?
0: Well, one of the things we always say to business owners is try and take some time to work on the business rather than in the business at least monthly, and that would maybe lead you down a road of not completely changing tack, but changing tack in in some way to meet market demand. So, you know, even if you look at the big success stories globally now, companies like Apple and Amazon or whatever, they've started out doing one thing, read the market as they as they as they've gone and then change tack quite severely in some cases, or or gone completely into a different market because they've realised that there's a demand that they've discovered for something that they could provide. A lot of businesses aren't flexible enough to be thinking about, well, actually, I can see an opportunity over there that I could make some money out of. It's not not a negative for my business to maybe go and have a look at that and work out a way of getting into that market or, or bringing it alongside what I'm already doing. And at the same time, Maybe a market you made money out of for many years is no longer viable, and if you move out of it, so be it. You know, you don't have to hang in there with a proposition in a market that isn't there anymore, and and flog it to death. You know, yeah. tack tack left or right, and do something different.
1: Well, we, we talked about this in planning a bit, where where some people are a bit nervous about having a plan because they feel it's it keeps it too rigid and they can't move without the plan. And as as we explained, then it's more a case of, of basing a plan which is essentially making your own luck that with everything we know today then this is the general direction of travel and this is how we're going to track our progress against that. Now if something happens like lockdown, Covid, you know, that type of thing, anything that, that affects all the, um, the war in Ukraine at the moment then clearly you need to change according to the circumstances. That doesn't mean because you've got a plan that says you should do this that you can't do that. It just means that you need to be mindful that if you're moving off the plan you've got to be sure that's a better plan going down that road than than, uh, sticking on the plan that you're on but at least if you have a plan it's easier to assess what has changed and whether your general direction of travel should change depending on the circumstances you're in it's back to the old saying about adapt or die i mean clearly lots of people during lockdown, suddenly delivery companies, all sorts of things, thrived during that period because it all changed. And the people that were quick to see that would be the people that probably made more money out of that change and the people that were slower to react.
0: It's going to be interesting to see over the next few years how many businesses relax back into an old, the old way of working if you... You know, t- taking what they do as being the norm and, and sitting back and carrying on as per. Where last two or three years we've we've had, as you say, people adapting almost overnight, reading the market, saying, "Well, actually, that's not going to work anymore, but yes. this will." Let's change. If you adopted that attitude going forward, regardless of what's going on out there, you probably end up with a, a lot more of a healthy business and a more aware business of what's going on around it, and, and hopefully a more profitable one.
1: But but it's also how. Um how technology can help with that as well, because uh, if if lockdown had happened ten years ago, before there was broadband we have now, internet we have now, yep. you know, before we had teams and communication, everybody's waiting for letters to arrive, I and mean, working from home just would never have worked.
0: We would have been in trouble there. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, <coughs> so all these things now cause you to review. I mean, maybe it's not the what, the way we would like to have been reminded. Yep. but these things are there, which can help you run the business. Um, but but they are there, people who are working much more electronically, digitally than they ever were before, and that brings opportunity as well. I mean, I know clients who are recruiting people who were many, many miles away from the office, which they yeah. never would have considered three years ago, because they would have to be in the office every day, yeah. whereas now it's accepted. You don't need to be in the office every day, so you could pay somebody's salary in a more remote part of, of England rather than in an expensive area like the southeast. Yeah. And even pay for them to visit the office once every two weeks, um, which is still cheaper than trying to find somebody, even if you can, yep. and employ them in the southeast. So uh, all these things are changing the way that businesses work.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see the... Um the old way pushing back a little bit against the new ways of working. Isn't it? You can almost see the generational difference now in the younger generation coming up and saying, well, actually, this new way of working is what I like and I'm, li- I'm sticking with it, thanks. And, and it, you can see some pushback from above. Well, hang on a sure. minute, I can't see you in the office. I'm not sure you're actually doing your job. I think
1: it works both ways. I yeah. mean, you know, it means that um, certainly with my children, they're, they're on it more 24-7 than they ever yeah. were before. Yeah. And whereas, I don't know, five years ago, people would have been reluctant to take a business call after five o'clock now, now the working day is blurred. I mean, people are on their phones all the time, um, and often reacting to emails. Not in every case, yep. but it's um, it it can be good for the employer too. They know that you can get a reply to something on a Saturday, uh, so you've already got it and can be using that reply on a Sunday before work starts on Monday.
0: Yeah. Uh, One of the other things that we were talking about earlier is in the post-Covid world, we've got this this issue now caused by lots of different things going on where you you can't get a lot of the component parts you need for products. Mm-hmm. So service industries have obviously always done well in, in the UK, but we've, we've got lots of businesses now that are dependent on bringing in products to build whatever they're building from the Far East or anywhere else in the world, and it's just not happening at the moment because they're not being manufactured. So a lot of businesses are sat there with supply line issues that are forcing prices up and maybe even making what they're trying to sell an unviable proposition. So, you know, as we speak, there, there must be boardrooms sitting around the around the country and most of Europe thinking about what can we do that will will bring money in that isn't reliant on that component, apart from Taiwan or China or whatever. So, it's sort of forcing the issue, I think, isn't it?
1: well it it is but i mean the last podcast we talked about suppliers list and that's another benefit of looking at your top suppliers is to also look at your dependency yeah no one is immune from change and so you know it's good to have a look at your supply chain and try and spread that risk by having more than one supplier from more than one region so you reduce that sort of dependence which maybe people are looking at more than they were before where just been assumed that it's always been okay and therefore it will always be okay even if it's from China but I mean even that's been affected by Covid for example so, um, so there's no certainty with that. I mean I suppose the other thing we're going to talk about is profitability and the difficult bit always is to look at exactly which of these services makes you money. I mean the, the cost of sale is fairly obvious but there's also how do you square up the overheads for the business? You know, how much do you apportion those to each of these services? How much do each use? This might use a lot of office. That doesn't use any office. So how do you square that? So you have to come up with some however dirty sort of formula for whether it's based on revenue projection and a percentage of the overhead goes towards that. But you do have to somehow work out what the mandate rate is, how much time is being spent, what time is that charged out at, what time does that cost at. Um, in order to try and find out what the sort of gross profitability is and the net profitability. And it's really, as you alluded to earlier, the net profitability which is really going to make a difference to the business. Because it's quite obvious that if your cost of sale is quite low and you can increase your turnover by 10%, then most of that extra 10% goes straight to the net profit. So it's not unusual to grow a business by 10% top line, but that can have 300% benefit on the, on the bottom line if the other, other costs can be contained as what they are. So it's, it's looking at that sort of financial modelling to try and figure out where the sort of sweet spot is of what you're trying to sell and make sure that you maximise that revenue because that's going to have the biggest impact on you. You, you on just me think of the,
0: the sort of step costs in growth as well where you can have a very profitable business that operates at a certain level. But as soon as you try, try and um, scale it up you inherit so much more cost to get to that next level of scale that you've really got to go way beyond it to get the same level of net profit out the bottom. Yeah. So in some cases, it's worth looking at a business and thinking, if, if, if I stay where I am with it, I can continue making lots of profit at, at, at the right levels of, that I've already got. If I try and scale it up, I've really got to commit hard and I've got to get my cash flow right to make a really big jump to the next stage where the profit is actually going to increase. Because if it means taking on a whole layer of new staff or bringing in much more in terms of materials and services, it, it needs a lot of planning to do it. So some businesses that don't just grow in a very uniformed no, it's growth a step path. Function, it's, a, yeah. it's a step, and you've really got to think about that step. But without proper planning and, and understanding your propositions and working out your costs, you, you won't, won't be able to grasp what that will need to get you there.
1: No, and quite often those steps are big steps too, and, and whether you want to take that step or whether you yeah. want to concentrate on just doing what you're doing because when you want to increase your capacity that sometimes that's people then you've got to pay a sort of recruitment fee. you've got to put up with time that they're training. So somebody who starts today probably won't be earning revenue for four or five months. So that's a cash consideration in the short term because you're not earning any revenue. And if you're in manufacturing you might need to buy more stock which requires cash to deal with higher demand. We yeah. might need more plant, which means more cash. So all these things have cash implications way beyond just the simple growth of the service. And of course, once you've invested that extra cash, then is how much extra revenue do you need and where that revenue is going to come from. Because what you don't want to do is make that investment and then find that actually you are already at a ceiling or a glass ceiling you can't then extend beyond and therefore you've incurred all this extra money for not the same amount of sort of growth potential that that could support if you could find it.
0: I think the other thing with that is, is once you've made that step growth, you've got a bigger beast to feed on an ongoing basis. So yeah. once you've built that bigger cost platform, you, you've got to cover it every month and you've got to make a profit on it every month. And I think some business owners lose sight of the business development requirement at that greater level. So with a smaller business, you can probably plod along with getting referrals and doing some marketing and just getting in enough to keep the wheels turning and make a profit. As you grow, you've got to be much more formal about your sales process and your business development approach and build that in, which again in itself is more cost. So there's a lot to think about with planning, but if if you've not got the right propositions and you understand what propositions are giving you, you, you can't structure that build in the right way and give you what you need to get. So again, it comes back to what do you understand as being profitable and what not? And, what, what, and what's the market yeah, doing? And relevant. And what's the market
1: doing? I mean, is this something that's going to increase demand as we go forwards? Or something that you're, you're going to see is going to decrease over time you should be withdrawing from?
0: Absolutely. To get all the episodes of Minding Your Own Business automatically on your favourite podcast app, just click follow or subscribe.